Welcome back to Coffee and Cannabis. It's the show where I interview professionals, researchers, and thought leaders in the cannabis space to help bring you deeper insight into who these individuals are and how they're shaping the cannabis industry. In this episode, I'm chatting with Casey Hiltman, founder and CEO of the Bud Tenders Association. In the episode, we talk about the important role that bud tenders play in the industry and how the Bud Tenders Association is helping set them up for success. We also talk about Casey's journey after moving to Canada and starting in the industry as a bud tender, and we talk about consumption lounges, nomenclature, and how cannabis culture differs in between countries. Yeah, yeah. How are things uh, been for you? How is LA? How is getting out uh, for a little bit in the, into the sunshine? It was interesting, you know. As you know, I'm in Mexico, um, so it was a stark contrast yeah. going back to the States. Right. Um, Definitely as soon as I landed at LAX was bombarded with yeah. messaging on billboards right, and right, just right. like a lot huh. going on. Uh-huh. Um, it was good. I got vaccinated there so that I could go to my cousin's nice. weddings. Um, but yeah, LA was great. I went to Vegas for a cannabis conference oh, um, and got to make a lot of connections out there. Actually yeah. looking at opening a consumption lounge in Vegas with a few partners. Interesting. Um, okay. We got to talk about that too. That's going to be a topic <laughs> du jour because consumption lounges are a really, really interesting point. Like they just make sense, right? Um, you have bars where you could go and consume alcohol. We used to have consumption lounges here in Canada, but they got shut down after legalization, which is funny. So it's like, it, it just, it just makes sense, right? Absolutely. It's the next big wave, I think. And you know, what, what better way we see it with restaurants and, and bars, right? Mm-hmm. People want to come together. It is about community. It's yeah. about enjoying these things together. Yeah. Um, so great place to do it, especially if you can add some good food on the menu. Yes. Winning. What better combination, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you don't mind if I smoke on this. Please call, do. do please do. This is, um, uh, it should be a time to, to rest and relax and have good conversation, right? Great. I'm winding down from a uh, full day of team meetings. So. Yeah. How's that been? How's it been um, with the, the whole remote thing and being from Mexico? Like I'm getting, I'll be honest, I'm getting exhausted from kind of just working remote and being in my office and looking at the same two monitors all day. How, how's it been for you? Do you find like the Zoom fatigue is really real? Yeah, well, I'm pretty used to it at this point, mm-hmm. um, and I, I thrive on it because hmm, okay. for me, it's it's a much easier way than uh, pre-COVID when, you know, you had to set all these meetings um, and really right. plan out your schedule. Now it's a very last minute. If you're available and you have an internet connection, hmm. I'm also available right now, so let's connect. <laughs> and then <That's laughs> the on, hmm. online conferences are great because... You know, even if you go to a trade show in person, for example, you're going booth by booth, whereas here you just have everyone on one right. screen. Um, <laughs> you know who's interested in what, yeah. great conversations. So I enjoy it. It is, um, you know, it is something that we talk about a lot um, within our team mm-hmm. because it's not the same case for all of our team members, um, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to find the balance to make it work for everyone. Yeah. So we do start every day off with um, morning mindfulness at 9 a.m. with the team so that we have a little bit of an office environment. Um, You know, we all jump on before Mm -hmm. getting really deep into our day Mm -hmm. and we'll spend 30 minutes, whether it's a meditation together or a yoga flow or some stretches um, so that we that's really helping Hmm. find that balance. 
for the work from home, but I'm enjoying it. It's always been my dream to work from yeah. anywhere in the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I feel like, you know what, now that we have it, like I'm so picky of, you know, I, I always dreamt of, oh, I don't have to be in the office and I don't have to have someone breathing down my neck and I can wear whatever I want. And then now, of course, here I'm a, a year later complaining, right? It's like, it's never good enough Un until, you know, maybe I could work for Mexico five hours a week. And then maybe at that point I'd be happy, right? It's possible. Yeah. Five hour work weeks have been said to be a thing, but <laughs> I also do work a lot more because my right. office is also at home. Um, mm. So I don't really have that break mm -hmm. in the day necessarily. Mm -hmm. Sees me sees me working more hours, and I yeah. think that also um, resonates with the team, which isn't necessarily the goal, but it, it does tend to happen that way. Um, and sometimes communication's tough, mm -hmm. you know, I agree. Mm -hmm. especially as more team members come on board and there's a lot of moving pieces. Our Slack is blowing up like crazy <laughs> yeah. all the time, yeah. so that we can get all the operational pieces. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it's all about adapting and yeah. being out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and finding the ways to really um, make the most out of what we mm -hmm. what we've been dealt. So mm. that's a really good point. Um, I wanted to talk about before we get too, too deep into cannabis, you talked about, um, you know, you traveling and adaptability. I, I want to kind of go into the background a little bit um, about, you know, where where you got involved into business and entrepreneurship um in the first place you did um you did uh, your undergrad in business right that's correct yeah um where did it all start yeah. the entrepreneurship um great question well cannabis mm -hmm. is a great start yeah. um a great place to start for that mm -hmm. so i'm from amsterdam originally mm -hmm. um and i lived there for the first seven years of my life mm -hmm. But then um, I started a relationship with cannabis quite early on mm -hmm. at the tender age of 11 um, <laughs> was the first time I actually had the pleasure mm -hmm. of experiencing cannabis. Mm -hmm. And um, from that immediate connection, I became so passionate about it that, um, you know, I advocated and educated and researched a lot uh, around it and I started facilitating safe access for it quite early on. So my entrepreneurship <laughs> skills actually funnily enough were also started around mm. around cannabis. So hmm. got some good networking, bookkeeping, yeah. okay. negotiation skills from there. Hmm. Um, I haven't really, no one in my family is an entrepreneur and often we do see that, you know, um, someone's parent, for example, um, right. for business leaders have been in, in the uh, entrepreneurship space. But no, I think that's where it all started, really. And then from there, I was passionate about cannabis, but it wasn't legal. So the only other thing I knew what to, how to do was business, which I wanted to learn more about and was applicable to so many areas um, and, you know, so many opportunities to go from there. So um went to university studied business mm -hmm. with a major in hospitality so i worked in hotels and restaurants for a little bit perfect and uh then i just started traveling the world i chose yeah. travel over career at first and how do you feel about that decision now do you regret a second of it not a minute <laughs> and where, no did, where did you travel to and where where did you enjoy the most if you had to pick a few yeah, so after Holland, I uh, lived in Dublin for three years, mm -hmm. 
which was great. Learned a lot. Went to Catholic school, which is very different. Interesting. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a detour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from Ireland, where did I go? South of France. Grew up in the south of France. Okay. Absolutely loved it. Hmm. Um, you know, that's where I got all of my um, education, information, mm-hmm. and developed my love and passion mm-hmm. for hash, mm-hmm. which then actually became one of my first companies in the legacy market in 2016. Mm-hmm. So we'll loop back around to that. Perfect. Um, but I would say my favorite country to live was the south of france for sure Mm -hmm. but then you know i went to university in oxford in the uk um, which was great so many different things in so many places um yeah that's a tough one but i (laughs) i think i think i would move back to the south of france out of any of the places that i've Mm -hmm. lived although australia was amazing and getting the opportunity to travel southeast asia but yeah special super français aussi Bien sûr. <laughs> Why well, vous avez l'accent, uh, l'accent de France aussi? I didn't know you spoke French. I'm impressed. French, French Canadian. So or yeah. Quebecois French, which France people would say as as crass and <laughs> a in different language. Dégoutant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although to be fair, when I went to Montreal, yeah. I did have a lot of trouble understanding what was happening. Interesting. That's so interesting. Oh. Uh-huh. Huh. Well, I want to I want to talk about. France a little bit more in Amsterdam and kind of the the international um, kind of cannabis legacy market. So you said something about France, France, which was interesting is that it was about hash. So what is it about hash in France? Does it have some history and some culture there? Yeah, so um, very close to North uh, Africa, uh-huh. Morocco, um, Algeria, mm. you know, where some mm. of those traditional hashes uh, originate from. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, uh, there's been a lot of immigration over the years, um, but it's just a much cheaper product as well. Mm. If you, in the south of France, like it was, right. it mm. was a treat mm-hmm. to consume bud. We would get our hands. I remember when I was, you know, between the age of like 11 and 17, because I went to university at 17. So Mm. between 11 and 17, um, you know, maybe once or twice a year, I would get Mm. my hands on flour. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it was smoking hash all Mm. day, Um, but all different types Mm. and variations. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't boring. There Mm. was sativas, indicas or... However, um, you know, mm-hmm. people want to label effects these sure, days. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and what did you take from your, your learning of hash in France down here um, in the legacy market? Actually, it's funny. The other day we had a burn and learn with the Tenders Association. Yeah. And uh, the guest was uh, Marcus Richardson, yeah. also known as the Bubble Man. Yeah. Um, and so with hash in France, um, I was facilitating access to it, but I wasn't making it. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Vancouver in 2016 to get into the cannabis industry, because I'd read an article um, about the pending legalization. Mm-hmm. And so applied for a Canadian passport, got everything set up left my job Mm. and and made the move. And then I started as a bud tender um, in Vancouver. And Mm. while I was doing that, I saw a lot of the different product formats that were available on market. Mm. And bubble hash was one that was 
um, becoming more and more popular. Mm -hmm. So um, I started looking into it, already a hash lover, a very different technique to the traditional mm -hmm. hashes that I was smoking yeah. growing and up. And what's the difference, sorry, between traditional hash and bubble hash? Yeah, so bubble hash is made using ice water extraction, mm. um, whereas the traditional hash is like pressed keef, mm -hmm. essentially. Hmm. Um, so I, yeah, ventured into the bubble hash making. And actually, Marcus was was one of my teachers. Um, little did he know, but I was uh, following all of his YouTube videos and really learning how to... <laughs> <laughs> you know how to get the most out of my product and yeah. the and the best product yeah um so yeah it's a hmm. funny it's funny because it's a completely different style quality right um and ultimately product mm -hmm. but although labeled the same thing yeah and I, i'm really curious about you know what what cannabis looks like right now in in Holland and in France, do you have any idea? Because you know, we're Canada is the first country to be legal on a federal level, except for Uruguay. But you see a country like Holland, who's been around forever and who has you know their own cannabis culture, um, you know, already so deeply established. Have you been back since? Have you? Well, when was the last time you were back in Holland? The last time I was back was in 2016, actually. Okay. Uh, just before I moved over to Vancouver, I went mm. back to do some final research mm. to see what I could bring over mm -hmm. uh, to lend myself a job as a bud tender mm -hmm. in Canada. Um, but since, so I do keep up with it a little bit uh, with what's going on there. Mm -hmm. And because I have, at one point, they um, only, they stopped selling all cannabis to anyone who wasn't a Dutch citizen or resident. Okay. Um, so it is tolerated there. It's mm -hmm. not legal. Um, and, you know, there's definitely some wishy-washy laws that uh, have a lot of uh, loopholes. Mm and um and areas to play with mm -hmm. but i do believe that they are seriously looking at um you know actually finally going through with legalization mm -hmm. um Makes and then sense. in france yeah. in france it's a different story mm -hmm. i mean <laughs> tell me I, again i'm not familiar it. with with france cannabis culture how is it different what well, everyone in france smoked between the age, you know, mm -hmm. as a teenager, yeah, everyone that I knew um, consumed cannabis, and mm -hmm. I think there was a stat that came out that was like one in five or four youths in France, um, you know, regularly, and mm -hmm. I don't know what that regular yeah. use was defined as, mm -hmm. um, but consumed hashish. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's very taboo. Mm -hmm. um, it's quite a traditional country, so right. there is a lot of stigma mm -hmm. um, and a lot of run-ins with the law. Like, we mm -hmm. were getting in trouble all the time. I mean, yeah. quite quite conservative, yeah. And and it's, it's funny because it, there's an interesting parallel, again, going back to Quebec, where Quebec is a lot more conservative as well and they were really slow to adopt cannabis 2.0 products like the edibles like the vape so it's funny that is it just something about the french <laughs> perhaps hopefully they're going to yeah. change their mind i know that they've been lobbying mm -hmm. um you know for uh, medicinal legalization yeah. and 
They do have CBD is legal. So there are stores right now that are full CBD selling flour, even um, ex- like CBD extracts yeah. and topicals and dog treats and you name it. So they're trying. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's movement. So hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hey, like I said, we got really lucky here in Canada and we can really kind of either set the bar or tell people what not to do. It depends what side of, of the legalization spectrum you, you fall on. <laughs> um, but I, I want to learn a little bit more. Um, well, I mean, we, we've, we've got to talk about the Bud Tenders Association later, but I want to learn about you landing your first job as a Bud Tender. So how did you land the job and what was it like getting started? <laughs> Love it. Um, well, so before I was working in Monaco okay. and uh, I was a sales manager for a fitness center. So mm. I had been in in health and wellness space, mm-hmm. um, but my passion was always in cannabis. Mm-hmm. And then when I, as soon as I heard that I could combine cannabis and business <laughs> in Canada, yeah. like very soon, yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, this Makes is sense. real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I uh, moved to Vancouver and I didn't even, I knew that it wasn't going to um, necessarily, you know, sustain me financially. Right. Um, I had, you know, a certain lifestyle mm-hmm. in, in France mm-hmm. and was able to kind of live it. And I knew that coming to be a butt tender in Canada um, wouldn't necessarily... Uh, you can't you live know, that bougie lifestyle. This. You can't, you've got to, you've got to kind of step back, back down. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't something that I thought about twice. I knew I wanted mm-hmm. to get into cannabis mm-hmm. and I didn't really know where to start. Mm-hmm. I had a good resume with a lot of sales experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also didn't feel like I knew a lot about the product, which mm-hmm. is amazing because I've smoked Funny. it my entire yeah. life <laughs> and I've like, you know, researched it and I talk about it and I advocate for it. But Mm -hmm. then really when it came down to it, like Mm -hmm. all these new product formats Mm -hmm. were coming to market and these different, you know, mechanical Mm -hmm. extraction. Right, right, right. um, It's a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I knew that I needed to learn a lot more Mm -hmm. to be comfortable in a position or Mm -hmm. in a role um, Mm -hmm. that, uh, would maybe be, you know, a little more corporate. So, Hmm. and it wasn't legal yet. So I didn't really have options. Yeah. I had the option of going medical market or Hmm. interesting. I don't have a degree or any medical background. So I'm just going to try the dispensary route. Mm -hmm. And I did, I just printed off a bunch of resumes Hmm. and walked around the city of Vancouver and, uh, (laughs) met a lot of people, talked to a lot of people, yeah. uh, you know, asked for the store owners directly and just told them mm-hmm. my story. Mm-hmm. From Amsterdam, love cannabis, moved to Canada to get into the industry because <laughs> you guys are about to legalize yeah. and I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, and I want to learn and, and I want to bring my sales skills as well to, to your business to help you guys grow. And mm. um, so I got a few uh, invites for second interviews. Mm-hmm. And I was in a nice position to be able to choose uh, which dispensary I was going to work at. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up working for a company called Canna Clinics. That was okay. my first job. Mm-hmm. Um, downtown Vancouver on Nelson Street. Mm-hmm. I met some great people there mm-hmm. on the floor, fellow bud tenders mm-hmm. who are now business executives and owners. I love it. Um, yes. Yeah, and other cannabis ventures. So it's really exciting. And actually, Bud Tenders Association is working with one of these companies. And we met together um, at Canna Clinics. So yeah, that's how it all started. I just 
printed off some resumes, knew that that would be the best place for me to really understand how the market's working, mm -hmm. to under, you know, get, and those days, people would just knock on the door with pounds of weed and I say, hey, that. these are my prices. <laughs> and, you know, you'd invite them into the yeah, office yeah. and you'd open these half, hmm. half, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, or QP, half, yeah, half pound sure. bags, and you would just like, smell it you know evaluate it old school yeah and then you just like yep easy transaction <laughs> and then you have these yeah, um storage jars yeah. open them up label them sometimes you know just change the name because yeah. you know it's gonna fly off the shelf no that's not like yeah what i did but i understand um, I, I was understand. a bud i was a bud tender mm -hmm. so i didn't make those those um cultivar name decisions mm -hmm. on the spot mm -hmm. <laughs> which which uh, yeah. we got to talk about too is like people just coming up with names and like even comparing you know legacy market to now legal market is a lot of people bought legacy market seeds which people named whatever they want like we don't even really know where these genetics came from i'm curious what you think about people like companies deciding to name their product like um hammock or sunset or relax instead of having you know oh this is a jet fuel gelato og kush cross like how do you feel about people naming it do, do you find that we're still latching on to legacy market genetics and names um i mean i'm of two minds so personally okay. i like to shop for yeah. products and know exactly what i'm purchasing mm -hmm. based mm -hmm. on i'm not i don't have all of the knowledge on mm -hmm. what each of the lineages are yeah. and if you give me the name of a cultivar tomorrow mm -hmm. i could guess kind of where it comes <laughs> from yeah, yeah. And, and what sort of experience I'm, mm -hmm. I'm to expect. Mm -hmm. um, but the modern, like today's consumer, isn't in that position. Mm -hmm. So I do understand the approach mm -hmm. that brands um, are taking yeah, to be yeah. able to resonate mm -hmm. with someone walking in. So rather than, you know, I'm looking for this effect mm -hmm. by that name, right, right, they right. can deduce what they're going to experience. So I get it. Mm -hmm. I don't love it. Um, yeah, you know, I understand. defending our membership as well, like, <laughs> yeah, bud tenders definitely, uh, mm -hmm. in general, do not love um, the mm -hmm. fact that LPs um, just make up names mm -hmm. based on their uh, marketing mm -hmm. campaign that right. month, right? Right, but yeah. Hmm. I see both sides to For it. Sure. I like to know what I'm smoking straight up then in there without having to read the fine print or yeah. go on someone's website. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And even, you know, from from working in, in the legacy, I'm sure it would be very different working at a dispensary or a retail store now compared to um, your, your first job in a legacy clinic. Do you feel like we've been too far regulated or do you think this was the right approach? So that's a golden question because right. we want to even we want to find solutions or better ways of doing things so mm -hmm. that we can better advise other countries that mm -hmm. are looking at you know mm -hmm. um, legalization right now. Mm -hmm. Did is it overregulated? Yes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. How do we find balance? That's you know the the big question. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to go back to how it was when I was working as a bartender, I mean, you know, those jars that we would fill up when the guys walked mm -hmm. in the office and mm -hmm. just dropped their <laughs> their stash, yeah. we would put them right out on the floor. Mm -hmm. Every POS system, so every point of sale mm -hmm. 
would have a um, very accurate scale that was management, you know, like rebalanced and reset Hmm. uh, fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. So very strict SOPs Mm -hmm. as well. Interesting. Um, Very high standards for cleanliness. Yeah. Um, we, we always had to wear gloves, mm. tie our hair up, hmm. um, but we could open the jars and mm. just hand it over the counter and you could put your face in there and right. look at it. Uh, so that whole way of shopping is very different. And mm. what that allowed for, for bud tenders, mm. especially is that education, like the right. knowledge that I gained mm. in such a short amount of time, just by being able to interact with all of these different beautiful Mm -hmm. flowers um yeah and you know also our dispensary manager would Mm -hmm. give us product to try so that we could sell it Mm -hmm. and we would have sales competitions and whoever (laughs) you know sold the most tinctures that day gets an eighth of whatever they want off the wall i love that Um, that doesn't work anymore i know but i love that like that just makes sense to me that sounds fun but I like that the picture that you're painting is like, this was a real company. This was a business. This wasn't some basement operation, like I said, with no POS system or no um, you know, training or anything. Like this was a real operation, right? Absolutely. And everything was very strict. So even the whole, mm-hmm. um, because it was a compassion club still. Mm-hmm. So mm. the business was registered as an apparels store and selling t-shirts <laughs> wow that's awesome that's so cool they were selling t-shirts so they yeah. were paying taxes right 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 and and functioning like a business yeah. um but then for the compassion side of things to mm-hmm. be able to you know have a, a little bit of mm-hmm. um buffer when mm-hmm. it comes to legal negotiations mm-hmm. down the line um there was a very rigid sign-up process mm-hmm. for patients mm-hmm. Um, to become members of the dispensary. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they would have a full form to fill out that would be registered on the computer. Um, Their IDs would be scanned. Their photo would be taken. They'd be issued with a card, Mm -hmm. um, you know, age checked. So Hmm. uh, definitely run like a business, you know, payroll, everything, scheduling systems. (laughs) Uh, At one point, I think there were like 25 bud tenders on the schedule. That's crazy. That's amazing. Amazing. No, I love to see that. And, it, and that, that's such a good picture to paint for people that have a bad perception of the legacy market. And like I said, this was just some basement operation where anything goes. It, it wasn't like that. It really set up the infrastructure for, for kind of where we are now, right? And it also created just a really safe place for people to come and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could open up product mm-hmm. in this, well, product is already open. Right. But they, we, in this particular store, we had... Um, tables and benches yep. in the center of the store yep. and people could just grab their stash, I you know, roll up a yeah. couple of joints. We yeah, had yeah. all the papers, trays. They would talk to someone who sat down next to them. Mm-hmm. They'd end up all going for lunch after they smoked a joint in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really great way for people to connect. Hmm. And I do find that is missing in um, you know, the legal dispensaries today. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of stores have made those spaces mm-hmm. Um, to create those, you know, consultation areas. Um, Unfortunately, I don't see them being used that much. Mm -hmm. But I think the vibe's not the same. You know, if you got some good music going and you could just come and sit down and roll a joint. um, Mm. Yeah. 
that's that's what's missing it's 100 percent. that's a vibe and we had here so i'm I'm from windsor ontario here down in south south ontario we had a place called higher limits we had two two lounges one is called higher limits the other one was called called the coffee pot lounge um and the coffee pot lounge was literally just a cafe with a bunch of tables a bunch of tvs they had like a, a barista bar and you could come you could bring their product they would rent you bongs or papers or grinders or anything you needed and like you said the vibe in the community was there it was perfect it wasn't dungy it was classy it was nice you could buy a coffee they had a kitchen and that's what's really missing now and that's and here's what i want to tie into is is las vegas and like you said with um with lounges and and operations like that and hospitality so i want to ask you about that so what are you working on right now um on the the lounge side and on the 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 consumption side yes can you speak to it (laughs) there's a there's a few things um and discussions that are going on there's definitely nothing concrete Mm -hmm. but um in the stages of exploration Mm. so i did a business degree as i said but majored in uh hospitality Mm -hmm. and i did start very early off in hotels and restaurants and i love gathering with my friends and family around food Mm. that's probably what i spend the most majority of my savings yeah. on is uh, is you know dining out and, yeah. and experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always wanted to look into the hospitality sphere, although it's a very tough and competitive industry to be in. Yeah. Um, but funnily enough, my brother's a chef in Paris, mm-hmm. and we're currently working on opening a restaurant together mm-hmm. out there. Um, nice. And after my Vegas trip, there's only one lounge in Vegas. There's only one consumption lounge. Interesting. And it's not very welcoming. Mm. And after the conference, um, mm. I had the opportunity to network with so many different brands mm-hmm. and visit different dispensaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to some after parties mm-hmm. where I met some very uh, influential people mm-hmm. in the cannabis space. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, conversation just came about. So mm-hmm. currently, uh, they are opening up. There is a license um, bid mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. that's opening up. Uh, and we are looking at what the requirements are yeah. uh, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, yeah, oh, there are a couple, so cool. com- that's so a couple cool. companies involved. Yeah. and have some really cool ideas like mm-hmm. we have a very cool concept um mm-hmm. and it's it's niche for sure mm-hmm. but it will be like a yoga studio with a vegan cafe consumption lounge um mm-hmm. is kind of what we're looking at exercise and cannabis and kind of this these yoga the people that partake in yoga, that kind of demographic, right, that also want to be cannabis users, like that just makes sense instead of going to these dungeony kind of consumption lounges, right? It just makes sense to open up a safe space for those people. So that's Agreed. super smart. And something that we've been doing uh, with Tenders Association and mm-hmm. actually the company that hosted the mm-hmm. G4 Awards and yeah. Tender Awards yeah. in Vegas, mm-hmm. um, they're partners of ours. So that's one of the reasons why hmm. I went to this convention. Hmm. And we have a collaboration where um, our um, once a month we host a stone yoga 
for the community. I love that. I love and that. we have bud tenders mm. from across America and mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. So last Sunday, um, you know, we had people from all over Michigan, Texas, mm-hmm. Florida, California. Um, mm. Yeah, and then uh, Alberta, mm-hmm. Ontario. So we had bud tenders from all across North America. Um, and everyone was just connecting mm-hmm. um, over yoga mm-hmm. and being able to really enjoy yoga <laughs> yeah. through yeah. consumption of cannabis, yeah. you know? Um, so much so that the group has actually asked us to host these once a week. Nice. Um, which, is a, which is a big big change Um, so I think we're going to find a happy medium Mm -hmm. there's definitely uh, an opportunity there Mm. and it's a great way to really start breaking those Mm -hmm. stigmas you know incorporating Mm -hmm. cannabis into different areas of your life and bringing it into your routine and and wellness so exactly as a part of your your wellness a tool in your wellness arsenal right yeah I agree and and are are these virtual or these online are, sorry, virtual or online? Are they online or in person? They are online. Okay. Um, and then we have a different yoga teacher every time. So nice. sometimes it's a Canadian butt tender. Yeah, yeah. Um, or or somewhere in the states as well. So nice. it's been really fun. You should join the next one. I'd love to. And if you need someone, I I know someone that has her own yoga studio and has done cannabis yoga events with Dosist. Um, I can oh, definitely cool. drop you her info if if you'd um, if you want to connect with her. She'd be a great great resource or or a good instructor for that too. Yeah, that sounds great. I would love that introduction. Thank yeah, you. Do course. you practice yoga? I should. Um, I've been dragged along from, I've been dragged along to yoga sessions with my girlfriend a couple times and I'm not good at it. And that's when I go, wow, you know, and that, that makes me hesitant to try it again. It's very difficult. Like it gets easier with time. Yeah. Like everything, like everything. Actually, I don't know if it does. It's still a challenge, mm. very much a mental challenge yeah. some mornings. Cause I try and do it every day and I, sometimes I really don't want to get on the mat. Yeah. But I know that it, I'll hmm. be better off if I do. So. <laughs> it, well, it's just like meditation, right? Like I'm, I'm such a fair weather meditator where I only meditate when I'm in a good mood, which it you should be doing it when you're not in a good mood. You should be doing it every day as a practice, right? But anyway, I, I, I digress. We keep teasing around the Bud Tenders Association. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean... Between being a butt tender mm. in Vancouver mm. and then making my way over to Toronto, mm. uh, quite a lot of things happened in the cannabis space. Mm. So um, that led me to founding mm. the whole journey mm-hmm. uh, over those two years led me to, to found uh, founding Butt Tenders Association. Mm-hmm. But after my, my role with Canna Clinics, um, you know, I moved up as a uh, shift leader there mm-hmm. and then I branched out mm-hmm. and started making extracts, hmm. solventless concentrates. Mm-hmm. So we bought a rosin press, nice. we bought bubble bags <laughs> and we were, mm-hmm. we were going, we were yeah. producing. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I, my cousin called me one day and asked me if I wanted to open a cultivation facility. I was like, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> when are we doing it? How are we doing it? Mm. Um, he's like, got my eyes on a couple properties. Let's mm. look at some properties. Let's mm. pick one up and then let's build out. Wow. So I was like, great. This is a dream. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Um, so I moved to Ontario 
Mm. And uh, it sounded easier than it was, <laughs> but course. what that got me to do mm. was all the Health Canada application, mm. everything. I got yeah. to see mm. all the requirements, mm. you know, go through all of the bureaucracy. Right, right, um, right. So that was a great experience, and uh, it wasn't paying the bills, though, at that time. It was actually mm. depleting the bank account. Mm. So we, I needed to find a, a, a job, mm. um, and I absolutely did not want to give up on cannabis mm-hmm. uh i was i was introduced to a company called trek brands mm-hmm. uh, yeah trek's great yeah they're amazing yeah. i have got a, such a they're good team. so amazing yeah yeah absolutely amazing team love everyone there mm. but um before they had launched any products or any of their brands to market mm. i had the opportunity of joining the team mm. Um, and managing sales, which meant I got to travel the country again and nice. spend all my time with bartenders. So yeah. I spent a lot of time out in Alberta mm-hmm. and BC, and I got to meet with the you know provincial boards. Mm-hmm. But mostly, I was chatting with bartenders, mm-hmm. and it was cool because I was in that role. Mm-hmm. I saw how legalization was rolling out. Mm-hmm. Um, and i also yeah noticed a few things in that time Mm -hmm. that were pretty fucked up and tell me just like the way things were working from a corporate standpoint Mm -hmm. and how cannabis culture was just being lost Hmm. um how the medical market very quickly you know patients were just like disregarded pretty much completely cast aside Yeah. yeah Yeah. There's so much that was wrong with it. You know, mm. anyone that was convicted for possession, mm. minor cannabis charges, mm. not being able to be part of the industry, although mm. they, you know, had worked. So I wasn't part of, mm. you know, any of those stores that right. got raided, right. fortunately. Right. But a lot of people that I know just completely got their hands tied and, mm. you know, cuffed. Um, so a lot of craziness and I, I started noticing it more and more and meeting with bartenders and hearing about, mm-hmm. you know, how they're being treated yeah. and how the conversations or was overhearing conversations with customers and mm-hmm. just like very little education, right. but not right. anyone's fault just right. because there wasn't really any. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so from the education standpoint, you also have a cannabis training course. Is that correct? Yes, okay. absolutely. So let's, yeah, so Bartender Association, mm-hmm. essentially I was with Trek, visiting stores yeah. every day. COVID happened, mm. I actually got COVID. Oh no. <laughs> very early on. Yeah, and? You're, and? you're all right? Yes, I'm alive. Good. It wasn't fun, I was pretty sick. Shit, But it also, uh, like, I think I stayed at home for 90 days. Wow. Um, because... I got taken, well, I mean, yeah, I was at conferences, I was yeah. traveling through airports, yeah. and my, my work life with Trek, it was amazing, mm. but it was nonstop. Mm. I worked nonstop. Constantly, yeah. So yeah. getting COVID slowed me down, mm-hmm. and then I got mm-hmm. the chance to be at home, and I was like, wait, I kind of like being at home. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was spending maybe two nights a week in my own bed, and otherwise I was in hotels. Right, or, ugh, it's exhausting, yeah. yeah. Which was fun. But then I realized that I was kind of over that after mm. all these years of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I didn't want to lose touch with the community. Like mm. I've met all these people and built all these relationships. Yeah. And, 
it was a very much of a two-way we were learning from each other yeah. and i really enjoyed visiting yeah. the stores and just like mm -hmm. hanging out mm -hmm. um so when COVID hit people started losing their jobs it was a very uncertain time for frontline workers in the cannabis space yep. um, and very stressful mm -hmm. so Clea, um, my co-founder and I, uh, started what we call Burn and Learns, which are still going today. Mm. Um, but what that was was just a space where bud tenders could come and hang out with us nice. for an hour every Thursday nice. to just have those same conversations mm. and smoke a joint and shoot the shit <laughs> and talk about what's happening in market and mm. which products are doing well. But at that time, Still, when you know we're early days of Trek, there weren't that many good products in market. We're seeing mm -hmm. a big shift right now, mm -hmm. um, in terms of you know variety and just mm -hmm. quality mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and price. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So we we started Burn and Learns, and mm -hmm. while we were chatting with our community, all these great ideas were coming out of mm -hmm. these conversations, mm -hmm. and all of this passion that was just living and yes. You know, mm -hmm. we wanted to take that and really do something with it because it's special. And the the information that bud tenders are um, privy, like exposed to and privy to and the conversations that they get to have with consumers every day and really understand what this industry looks like. Mm -hmm. When I was coming from the brand side of things, mm -hmm. you know, that's information that would make some decisions right. a lot easier. Mm -hmm for the company and you know that that um, disconnect yeah. between consumers and the product mm -hmm. that they're consuming mm -hmm. isn't doing wonders for the industry mm -hmm. and breaking that stigma right um, right. so hmm. yeah these great conversations were happening all these ideas were coming up mm. and we realized that you know we have an opportunity to keep this cannabis culture going yeah. to encourage education mm -hmm. and also to support each other in personal and professional development. It's a brand that. new industry. Yeah. We're the first ones here to <laughs> do it in the yeah. legal space. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not yeah. taking any anything away from um, everyone who fought mm. to get here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Burn and Learn went to another Burn and Learn, and then we decided to leave Trek. Clea was working at mm -hmm. uh, Trek with me as well. Mm -hmm. We were actually hosting parties with butt tenders mm -hmm. and yeah, having a good time. A lot of love community that. engagement. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love that. And butt tenders, they really are the backbone of the industry. And I've I've said it before, but it can't be stressed enough. But they're they're the last line between the the consumer. And the, or sorry, the the company and the consumer, right? Like they're the one that are the ones that are going to be disseminating all these all this information, and yet they're they're paid so little. They're taking advantage. They're taken advantage of. They're not appreciated in the workplace. But a lot of people, just like you did, kind of have to go. Okay, well, I'm going to take a pay cut. I could get paid more somewhere else, but I'm passionate about cannabis, so I'm willing to sacrifice you know, uh, maybe more pay in another industry just because I'm passionate about cannabis. And that's what I, that's what I love about bun tenders. And that's what frustrates me so much that we don't appreciate them enough. Right. Um, what do you think, how does that look for, how does the future look for bud tenders and how can we set them up for success? How, what kind of jobs can they take on in the industry? Like what, what, what does a career path look like for bud tender? Yeah, I think honestly, today's bartenders are tomorrow's leaders in the mm -hmm. cannabis space. Mm -hmm. um, 
already they're tastemakers. They're mm-hmm. shaping mm-hmm. the space. Mm-hmm. You know, the decisions that are being made all along the supply chain mm-hmm. are coming down to those um, connections mm-hmm. and and findings and mm-hmm. research. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to go anywhere in the industry right now mm-hmm. uh, and really branch out. But what we're seeing with bud tenders is a lot of people wanting to go from retail to um, the brand side of things. Right. Right. So whether that's um, you know very easy, good transition for a bud tender to get a different perspective in the industry is that um, brand rep role Mm. because you already are very familiar with products, Mm -hmm. with how consumers shop Mm -hmm. and how they Hmm. think. You've already worked with, you've had brand reps come Mm. in the store. You know what that role looks like. You have a pretty clear idea. And then it also gives you just a completely different perspective, right? From like, how do you even get your product into the store in the first place? Because you're only dealing with it once it's on the shelf. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So there's a lot of movement in that direction, Mm. I think. Um, But there's also just a lot of room for new businesses, Mm -hmm. Hmm. brand new ideas. I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm really excited to start up all sorts of businesses. Mm-hmm. But since we launched Bud Tenders Association tomorrow, it's actually our one year anniversary, which is insane. Congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, super excited. We're having a little celebration tomorrow. Good. Uh, yeah. On virtually, but. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I think the future looks good for bud tenders and you know, I, I even I love that these people that had the frontline experience are gonna be able to shape it because like even myself, like you mentioned some people lost their job because of COVID. I was a frontline, I was an educator on the medical side, right? And then I remember um, because of COVID, a lot of us, they just immediately got rid of us, right? And then I remember trying to apply for some brand positions and they're like, oh, sorry, you need eight years um, as a brand manager for experience, even, even to be considered for this role. And I thought it's really funny because just because you've been a brand manager doesn't mean that you know how to brand a cannabis company, right? Or a cannabis product. So I, I really hope that bud tenders kind of have this path that, that opens up to them in the next couple of years, right? Yeah, for sure. So we're working on that very seriously. Mm. Uh, we're rolling out a mentorship program. Nice. We also have a strategic partnership with the White Ash Group. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we work with them very closely mm. when there are any opportunities that we can identify yeah. or clear paths for, um, you know, professional development then we are very much on the lookout for those Mm -hmm. and always um, looking at ways that we can really provide information Mm -hmm. and resources to bud tenders uh, to find those next steps um, and and provide a little bit of guidance. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That, That's fantastic. I love the support. I love everything that you're doing for the community. Hey, Casey, you're, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show and chatting and sharing uh, a little bit about your life with everybody. Um, and I'm going to keep you on for just a couple minutes.